Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday. I hope you can hear me. This is Amy Peacock, and we're doing sort of a weird seat-of-the-pants kind of show. It's just one of those days today. As you notice, there's no title to the show. I could not come up with a title to save my life today. It's just one of those days, so I hope you will bear with me. As usual, I'm playing the Jezebels, and if you notice, if you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, you will see under the program notes for today, I'm still linking and promoting the Jezebels. The Jezebels are still on tour, and they are actually going to uh, be, I think, in New York, maybe tonight. Is that tonight, a sold-out show in New York? I think so. And on the 23rd, they've got this really cool show at Apple. I don't even know if you can still get into that one. They're doing an Apple Soho appearance. Anyway, go check them out. I've been playing them forever. You know it. They're my favorite to listen to right now. And they helped keep me awake as I was uh, driving back from the Glen Greenwald last night. Definitely uh, liked the energy that I got coming back from that. Anyway, I will be talking about the Glen Greenwald event today and a whole bunch of other things. If you go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com, you will see a variety of things that I have planned. (laughs) Daniel says, a little light on the program notes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit light, but I think that's actually good because then I don't feel like I have to rush through any particular story, and there's quite a bit to talk about. Bosch will be in attendance. He'll be here in just a few minutes, so never fear. Uh, the Boschisms cranked up to 11 today is what Daniel is calling for. We'll have to see what he can supply for us. <laughs> Robert says, no Bosch, no justice. He will be here. He will He will definitely be here. But as I said, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com. You'll see the program notes, all the stories that we plan to discuss. If you would like to talk about any of them, 
then call me here at Blog Talk Radio 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. More than willing to call and chime in on this, especially if you've read some of Greenwald's book and you want to share some of your impressions. I've read half of Glenn Greenwald's book, and I'm enjoying it a lot so far. And I've also scanned the table of contents because I wanted to see whether in the last part of it I was missing anything on the third-party doctrine. Uh, He didn't talk anything about the third-party doctrine last night, and he didn't mention it in his book that I'm aware of at all. So um, it's kind of interesting. I asked him about it, and I'll I'll talk more about that in a minute. I hear Bosch. I think he's getting coffee. One downside of today as well is we have no butter in the coffee today. There's some crazy reasons for that. But, yeah, there's no butter here in coffee. All we've got is cream. And so you're getting sort of the uh, the creamed coffee version of Don't Let It Go on her today. Bosch, you're getting the coffee, huh? You getting the coffee? Uh, I have coffee. Oh. Yeah. We have our own coffee. So at least we have our own coffee cups. However, they have no butter. No butter. They were they were they were afraid you weren't going to join me, Bosch. I uh, think th- I think I they I, I think they were going to stop listening if you weren't here. I don't think so. I think so. I think it's just one of those kind of days where if you hadn't shown up, this is a weird. Everybody day. just would have bailed on me. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Lots of beer. Daniel is uh, cursing in the chat yeah, room. He's right. No butter. Oh, it's hell? horrible. It's horrible. It's a crime. <sighs> Anyway, we're about to go into the show proper, so go ahead and hang on, and we will see you on the other side of the intro. This is the Friday, June 20th, is that right? Yeah. Don't let it go unheard. This is the podcast where we discuss news, politics, and sometimes culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy objectivism is the philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. We stand for the pursuit of your own happiness here on this show. I'm Amy Peikoff, and joining me here in the studio, as usual, is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. And you did say, though, that maybe you might have to step yeah. out sometime during the show because yep. of prior obligations. Right. So what Daniel in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio is asking is that you have to crank the Boschisms up to 11 <laughs> today, preferably sometime before you have to leave, right. so that everybody feels like they've gotten their daily dose of Bosch Boston. And also, I guess they're feeling a little deprived because if you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and you see the program notes, I don't have nearly the number of stories. But that's because I've got quite a bit to say about the first story. And what I have over there is I have a link to Glenn Greenwald's No Place to Hide, 
which you can get on Amazon for dirt cheap, $16.19 or something, Amazon selling it for. I think it was one of the best sellers at some point during this week, and I'm glad to see that because I think it shows that people in the United States actually care about whether or not their government is engaging in mass surveillance without probable cause or particularized suspicion. That's a healthy thing. Ed says ten ninety nine for Kindle. Yeah, and you can also get that through. Uh, Daniel says uh, <laughs> Daniel says that he's going to step in and try to be your co-host, uh, my co-host, Please. when you leave. Just just don't sound like Scott Brick, and we'll be good. <laughs> just, as long as you do that, I mean, I'd rather you try to mimic me. For those of you who didn't uh, get why he's talked about Scott Brick, last week we were talking about the Audible Scott Brick recording. Or, I'm sorry, the inaudible. Wait, oh. wait, speaks about Dagny like this. Audible brand, the Audible audiobook seller, was, they have an unabridged Atlas Shrugged by Scott Brick, and, and it opens Bosch up with uh, a fan of it opens Scott up with who is John Colt, more or less. That's the way he says it. It's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Check out all the program notes. If you want to call and talk about any of the stuff that we're talking about today, go to seven six zero. I have no title for this show today. I should integrate this somehow. My brain is just not doing it, so please bear with me. But let me first talk about going to this book appearance last night. The first thing i got to tell you is the only way I found out about Glenn Greenwald doing this book appearance in Los Angeles was by going to Glenn Greenwald's website. Okay, I just happened to find it there. As far as I understand, the places that were sponsoring and advertising it were mostly socialist or communist organizations. (laughs) And it became quite evident as soon as I got there and I was waiting online to show my ticket and get into the event that this was the case because there was a woman who came up who tried to sell me some sort of a socialist or communist newspaper. Of course, I'll take your money in exchange for it, so it's not that much. Um, and they were holding up the line, trying to sell you this stuff. And, we and the line wanted... was uh, very long. It was a long line. It actually wasn't too long. No, well, to sign it, I think you told me. Oh, for the signing at the end, it, it was, was a, a quite it, it long It was like a bread line. line. Yeah. There were hundreds of people there, which, again, I think is a good sign. But I think some of the people who went there had different motives than I do because they're into Glenn Greenwald, the socialist. And why would, why would socialists be against this building state? I mean, seriously, why would they be? But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's uh, that's another topic for another day. But Greenwald is excellent on the topic of the surveillance state and on the topic of Edward Snowden, which is why I went to go see him. I proudly wore my Captain America T-shirt, <laughs> which I'm sure <laughs> made me look different than yeah, yeah, but all they, of the other yeah, people Yeah, but there. they misinterpreted the, the star. They said, hmm, star. You mean? Right. They, they thought it was uh, right. a Soviet star. <laughs> <laughs> They're so out of touch. They didn't know that they didn't know that that was Captain America T-shirt. Oh, evil person who goes to movies and buys merchandise with the logo. That's oh right. no, that's horrible. In any event, so yeah. So first, I was already being bombarded by you know sales. Now I was I was happy to see there was one other person in the line who was standing right in front of me who also was not interested in this at all. But it was like some sort of an in event for all of the local socialists or communists or I don't know exactly what their 
particular beliefs are, but that's what this event became. And so it was, it was almost comical the way that they were all kind of networking with each other in the, I was like, Oh, I haven't seen you for so long. Oh, you have to send me an email. Well, we've got that event next week and you got it. It was like, it's, it's an in group and I was completely not in at all, but I went there just for my own purpose. And they, they were wearing berets, right? There was one woman wearing a beret with long braided hair. Uh, so the thing, uh, first of all, I just want to say was that in terms of Glenn Greenwald as a socialist, he didn't say anything really about socialism. You know, there were a couple little implications here or there, but mostly it focused on the role of journalists in challenging the state, on Edward Snowden in defending his character, and on the evil of the surveillance state. But no, Greenwald did not hesitate to get in little side comments about Chelsea Manning, about how horrible the Iraq war was, and in particular that we committed war crimes, right? You know, there's all this is there. But the emphasis overall in a very well-organized talk that he delivered almost completely off the top of his head, wearing a suit, being very professional, right? This is not what you think of as the standard socialist. And he even mentioned, he said something about per, uh, discussing progressive and libertarian ideas, so I don't know if he sees himself as some sort of a left libertarian or he just knows that part of his audience is either libertarian or people who identify with a lot well, of the part political of his new views. audience. Part of his new part audience. Of his new audience. That's right. That's right. He definitely seemed to be recognizing the fact that people who are attracted to this particular topic aren't necessarily on board for all the socialist anti-American stuff. So, uh, you know, I wasn't made aware of that too much during the time. I, I would say if there were really, uh, maybe I knew, maybe I just expected that some of these things that he was going to say about Chelsea Manning and the Iraq war were going to be a bit offensive, and I just kind of expected that, so it didn't faze me. But that was not at all the emphasis, and the emphasis was not at all to be anti-American per se. Um, it was just about the NSA and about defending Snowden. He had three main myths that he wanted to both debunk and he wanted to say with respect to those myths, the people who propagate them, it says more about the people who propagate them than it does about the target of right. it. So, for example, the idea that Snowden was a spy for either China or Russia or wherever he happened to be trapped at that, you know, how how ridiculous that was, you know, how um, the the idea that he had some sort of mental health issue with him, um, that he was some sort of a, a fame-seeking narcissist, and how ridiculous that was, and what it really said about the people. And there was an interesting thing that he said. He said that, you know, he pointed out the fact that dissidents or whistleblowers have often been portrayed as having mental health issues. And so, you know, he says, it raises an interesting question. What is more of a indicator of mental health? Just going along with whatever the authorities want of you, no matter what and how bad it is, or somebody who actually dissents and stands up against injustice, which is the, the more healthy thing to do. So that was interesting, too. Um, he did talk about the issue of um, terrorism being used as a pretense for all of this monitoring and how silly it was. And, in you know, it was during the whole talk about terrorism and the Iraq war that he was able to get in some of his jabs. Um, 
so let's see. So we've got that one. It's the it, it's that Snowden wasn't a, te- uh, a spy. It was the issue of that terrorism was as, as a pretense. And then the third one that he wanted to talk about was that whole issue of, oh, well, I've got nothing to hide, so this really isn't such a big deal after all, right? And that people have said that. They said, oh, I, you know, I don't really care about the spying because really I've got nothing to hide. And he said he went on MSNBC with Lawrence O'Donnell. And O'Donnell, I guess, had read several of the stories already. And O'Donnell is an open socialist, just for record. Well, and this is interesting because he criticized O'Donnell really strongly no, but, in this little segment no, but of his talk. Greenwald criticizes socialism. That's the whole point. You know what I mean? He okay. does, and he has come around to some extent, but he still won't let go of it. But he, he fundamentally is. You know, and that's just, it's an interesting thing that what this guy is turning into. You know, we'll see. We'll see how far he goes. You know, it was interesting because, in, in a way, I wish that Snowden had hooked up with a less liberal journalist. And I was kind of worried that Snowden was going to be influenced by Greenwald. But it seems that maybe Greenwald is influencing yes. Snowden in the other direction. But I'm, I'm not, sorry. I don't know that. For but sure. you were saying about O'Donnell, sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he had, you know, obviously in in several articles that were published in The Guardian, he had laid out different things that the NSA was doing. The bulk metadata collection from Verizon, the PRISM program, a few other things. And O'Donnell, in saying, yes, I'm aware of all these things and understanding what it is the government is doing, he says, you know, I've thought about this and I decided, ah, I really don't care about it. And Greenwald slammed this idea that you say, oh, look, I've got nothing to hide. And in particular, he says, look, the people who do that, who say, look, I've got nothing to hide, and so therefore I don't care about the surveillance, they are accepting a bargain, a very evil bargain. And the evil bargain is that I will either support or not speak out against or whatever it is I'm supposed to do, this government, whoever it is in power, And in exchange, you know, they're never going to go after me. They're not going to look at my stuff. That's the bargain that they are implicitly, at least, accepting. And Greenwald pointed it out explicitly as purely evil. And if you think about this, so so what happens? The, The government and the NSA start to think that the only people... Or only the people who have uh, who have a value for privacy, who seek privacy. So, for instance, suppose you decided you're going to sign up for some encrypted text message or email service or whatever. We're all waiting for Ladar Levison's dark mail that he's making in conjunction with these silent circle people and stuff. Uh, if you sign up for that, the NSA and today's government in general will take that as a sign that you have something to hide that's relevant to them that you are doing bad things, not just that you want your privacy for some value, right, For that, that's a value to you above and beyond whatever you'd want to do. I mean, you know, the guy at Silent Circle, they have a very interesting privacy agreement. I was reading it the other day, and it's, it's in normal language that people can understand. And he was saying, basically, we reserve the right to kick you out of Silent Circle if you're using it to do bad things. Uh, we do not provide it so that people can do bad things. We provide it, basically, so people can enjoy privacy. And I think that's true. I don't think that they're trying to enable criminal endeavors. You know, but they the have fact to say that, that because of the government that we have. They have to say that. I mean, it's yeah. almost like CYA to yeah. some extent. Um, and now Stuart in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio, he says, if you have nothing to hide, 
send me your email password and let me put the contents on the World Wide Web. Now, Stuart, are you saying that because you've heard Greenwald say this? Because Greenwald said in his talk last night that every time that he's heard this from people, that he has uh, challenged people and said, hey, if you have nothing to hide, give me your passwords to your email, your social media, blah, blah, blah. And he says, I'll just start publishing a series of articles in The Guardian about you with whatever information I find in your email. And you, you should care. You've got nothing to hide, right? Um, and Stuart says, yes, it's because I heard Greenwald say it. Yeah, so probably he was saying it in the talk. And it's probably, is it in the last half of the book? It's a, good, not, it's a good observation. Yeah. It, it, no, it's, it's an excellent it's observation. And, and in particular, he also said that the NSA specifically starts to target people right. who seek out encryption. So if you sign up for encrypted services like Silent Circle or whatever, I should become an affiliate of them because I'm starting to get the on the The government wagon. put their ears, right? Um, yeah, then they're going to start collecting whatever they can collect about you. Now, I understand they can't access your communications that are in Silent Circle. I don't think they're able to get into that. But what they would start maybe doing is monitoring everything else that they can get their hands on, which is a hell of a lot. And I thought it would be kind of fun, right? I thought it would be really fun to sign up for Silent Circle and use it for whatever I felt like, you know, just because I would like to have some privacy. But then in everything else that I do, I'll just start emailing the Fourth Amendment around. I'll be <laughs> posting it in messages, private messages to foreigners on Facebook, you know, because it's when you talk to foreigners that the NSA is really going to go after you. So all the foreigners that I know, you'll have to start messaging me, and I'll just, like, keep sending you back the Fourth Amendment. And maybe we can get the NSA to read the Fourth Amendment over and over and over again by all signing up for encryption, and then every place else where we have the non-encrypted communications, we'll just put the Fourth Amendment. Like I'll just, I think I'm with the Fourth Amendment. Maybe I'll just put it as my email signature, uh, something, right? Uh, because I haven't really gone for encryption yet, but now I'm thinking on principle I should just sign up for encryption and see if I can get the NSA to pay attention to me and maybe learn a thing or two about what should be the case. So anyway. Um, uh, Daniel says in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio, he says, you can do all that, Amy, but don't you dare try to put the First Amendment in the Senate bill. Yeah, not these days. Not this week, I guess. <sighs> yeah. Now I'm trying to see. Oh, Harry Binswanger apparently had a point, says Robert here in the chat room, that the House Oversight Committee should should get Lois Lerner's lost IRS emails from the NSA. Right. Yes, that would be great. Um, it would require a subpoena from the House Committee, which would be denied due to national security, mm-hmm. but it would be fun to try. Since when is the, um, what do you call it? Oh, so yeah, we got this mail thing in my ear. One second. Uh, it's not in your ears. You can't hear it, but I just heard that ding. That was from my the, email, sorry. The mail program. Blame it on Bosch here. It's uh, Harrison Bergeron, the little hmm. beep that kills my train of thought. So let's see if we can get it back. Yeah, so the idea is that they're going to say it's national security and they, they're going to deny the subpoena request to get the emails from the NSA. That is ridiculous to think that the IRS now gets national security privileges and to avoid having all this scandal come out. I, You know, I've been following that somewhat this week, what's going on, and it just gets more and more unbelievable that they don't have a special prosecutor who's eager to do something. Somebody posted something very interesting, though, on a thread that I had on Facebook this week. And I think it was Brian Yoder. But if you go to my Facebook page and you see I was posting something about the IRS, probably just sharing 
Ted Cruz's graphic about let's get a special prosecutor now. And I think I think it was Yoder who said that really with Nixon, it turned when people in his own party finally started calling for investigations and he or whoever posted it, if I'm not giving credit, I'm really sorry if I'm not giving proper credit, but go to the thread on my Facebook and you'll see who did this. But, um, you know, th- that person doubts whether the Democrats would ever turn on Obama to the extent of actually calling for an investigation themselves. Republicans, I guess, can do it till they turn blue in the face, and we still won't be in the situation that we were with Nixon when finally people in his own party were saying this is enough. And the idea is there's a double standard. Republicans actually care about the ethics and the rule of law more than the Republicans do. And if that's really true, in a way it's good, but in a way it's bad. Then the Democrats do. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, the Democrats just they'll they'll throw it out for yeah. party loyalty. No, this guy got them socialized medicine passed. This guy got a number of things. So like, well, he's the guy. We can't mess around with him. We need his legacy to to continue this crap and expand it even further. I, I mean, what they want to do is they want to tactfully, skillfully, distance themselves from anything unpopular about Obama, but they don't want to rock the boat. Too they can't much. though. They're the yeah. Obama party now. Yeah. You know, they, I think part of them knows that also. Right. right. And uh, also they're afraid because a lot of them, you know, those who scream racist most are most racist. And uh, they're terrified of going after him because he's black. I'm talking about Democrats more so than, than Republicans. Right. Right. No, it's true. It's definitely true. Let me uh, get back, circle back to Greenwald and the talk that he gave. Um, the one thing I was going to say is afterwards there was a book signing there were hundreds of people there, so the line was pushed around, you know, pushed along really quickly. So I had a chance only to tell him, look, I've got a JD PhD, I specialize in privacy, I've been writing on it. Um, I had one question, and it was about the third party doctrine. Do you think if we abolish the third party doctrine, that that could take care of a lot of the problem? And of course, he said, and I wouldn't have expected him to answer. It would have been nice if he said, yeah or no, and then, but, but he says, well, you know, that's a big topic. And I said, yeah, here's my card. You know, I've written on it if you want to check it. He says, I can go to this website and find it. I said, yeah. And I just haven't signed my book. And I left. I'm not going to, you know, be a jerk. The woman in front of me, the thing I was going to tell you, she reminded me again of of the audience and, and the, you know, the type of person that Greenwald is reputed as being was a socialist, right? She says, this is what she says. She doesn't have a book. She didn't buy his book. Of course not. No, didn't buy the book. So she she, was she's standing in the book signing line without a book. She's got some flyers she's going to have him sign. Okay. No trade. I mean, no yeah, trade whatsoever. No, no, at least buy the guy's book if you <laughs> want to talk to him for a couple of seconds, right? And she says, I'm going to talk to him about socialism. She, she told you this. Yes. Well, she told everybody around. She was just like pronouncing it loudly. They, they were very talk to him loud. about socialism. These, these, these socialists who were there were super loud, too. They were just very boisterous and loud. They were just in their element. It was like their event, you know? And I was just like, okay, I'm not here, you know. Not really, but I was just sitting there going, okay. Um, well, you were there with your Captain America shirt. I had my so Captain loud America, I had my Captain America shirt the, on. Didn't matter if you said anything. Loudness. And and I'm sure Greenwald saw that and thought, okay, this is not my <laughs> usual audience. But no, I'm thinking he's seen people like me more and more as he went around. And I, I suspect that the person who was standing in front of me in line at the beginning, who also didn't want to buy the communist literature or have anything to do with it, I think he was probably like me, where you're a fan of Snowden and what a fan of what Snowden and Greenwald did in getting all these stories out. And you just are interested to come and listen to a good talk. 
on that topic and you're not interested in socialism. But anyway, so this woman, she says, I'm going to talk with him about socialism. And I said, that sounds like a really long discussion. <laughs> and she got so mad, right? She's, she comes back and she's, you should not, you cannot judge me. You don't know me. Uh, like, oh, and I said, I just saying it's a long discussion. There's a said, long line of people behind said, listen, us. Comrade. We, were, we were fairly close to the front, right? And you feel bad if you take up too much of this guy's time because, I mean, there are literally hundreds of people in this line. But she's setting and, the stage and saying, I'm going to have a discussion with him about socialism. Right, so right. So you guys got to be prepared. And she's right in front of me. So I can already <sighs> tell she's going to be pushing the time limit. Plus, she's not buying a book. So by the time he gets to me, he's not going to want to have a long discussion about the third-party doctrine. There's no way. But in, they, they did curb her pretty quickly. They got her out of there pretty quickly. But, oh, my gosh, you know. <laughs> I mean, what a motive. I, I, I want to talk about socialism with him when i go to, that wasn't the the, the 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 topic no no and to not have a book yeah well that's that's the thing she's socialist i mean she's a true socialist no trade whatsoever just to give him you know give him something take 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 don't give yeah any book signing event i've ever been to you have to have a book yes. for the person to sign at least you have to have that so craziness um no she read only one book in her life anyway probably you know I don't know. Let's go look over here at the chat room at Block Talk Radio. I've got about a minute or so. Communist Manifesto. What do we got here? Yeah, I know. I know we're coming up. Yeah, buy a book. Grr, he should be giving books away. Yeah, that's what the socialists think. You should just give right. it. I should have worn the Enjoy Capitalism shirt in the style of the Coca-Cola. Yeah, that would have been really obnoxious. But I wanted to have something that was also in line with the theme of the event, yeah. but that also showed Freedom. my angle America. on the event. Uh, the other thing is I actually don't happen to own one of those shirts, which I actually need to find, I guess. i got to do that. So anyway, we are coming up here on our little four-minute break. So do whatever you need to do, and we'll see you guys on the other side, okay? also off of the Dark Storm EP by the Jezebels, and it's called She's So Hard, so you can go and check that out if you want to buy some Jezebels music and support goodness. I was actually glad to see um, Stephen, who listens to the show, also, uh, I went also, I believe, with his wife to the concert, the Jezebels concert in uh, Boston. So that was really cool to see, and I'm glad that they had a good time and that they thought it was a good concert as well. You always feel bad recommending things to people if they don't like it afterwards, but apparently he had a really good time and enjoyed the show. It looked from the pictures that I saw like he may have been able to meet and talk with some members of the Jezebels, which wasn't true at our concert. I would have liked to have shaken Haley's hand in person, but maybe next time around, who knows how it's going to work out. I have no idea how they keep up with their tour schedule. 
I really don't. And I'd also like to know from Stephen. I don't know if Stephen will actually. He I don't think he listens live. I think he listens mostly to podcasts. But I'd like to hear from him how her voice is holding up after all of this touring because great she challenges. Yeah, she really challenges her voice a yeah. lot in the songs. And to do that live night after night, that is awesome. She said that she, you know, during our interview that she was taking exercises to keep her voice strong. And this yeah. is something I could benefit with, but benefit from during the times that I have colds and things like that. But just just amazing the kind of pace that they're keeping up. So, yeah, go check out that link. And if you get a chance to see them live, they're going to go to Europe next. And they've got tons of dates over there at all kinds of quirky venues like a jazz festival and stuff. It's, it's pretty awesome, the variety of, of venues that they're playing at. And typically it's cheap, 15 right. 17 bucks per ticket to see here in the United States in a small venue. You just don't get that kind of value very often. So it's kind of, I mean, to me, it's, it's sad for them, but good for us right now that we're able to actually enjoy it. So over here in the chat room at Block Talk Radio, we have some people commenting. Uh, the beret chick was wearing a brown shirt. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I remember she just had a long braid and a little beret and some black boots that zipped up, you know, just just below her ankles. Cartoon <laughs> comments. It was it was really interesting. It was re- if I had worn the capitalism shirt, that may, I mean, right then I would have been like to be wearing that when I was talking to her, and she was mentioning socialism. Oh, that's craziness. But anyway, if you want to talk about this or any of the other topics we've got planned next, we're going to go into the bill, actually the amendment to the bill that the House just passed. It's supposed to be protecting all of our privacy. We'll see what's in that. Call us at 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. They're talking about porn over here in the chat room at Block Talk Radio. I think if, if you're not in the chat room, I think you need to get over there and, and see what in the world they're they're talking about. <laughs> We're going to see you on the uh, other side of a little bit more music from the Jezebel. a combination when you think about it. Somebody who's too good for you and then of no use to you. Both. <laughs> Say those song lyrics from the Chesapeake's there. It's a combination. Well, she likes Rand and environmentalism. Uh, we hope here at Don't Let It Go Unheard that we are not too good for you nor of no use to you. We hope that we are providing the entertainment and a little bit of information. I do recommend going out and checking Glenn Greenwald's uh, book events out if you have a chance. Just go to his website. Most of the people who listen to this show are not going to be listening to the local socialist radio station that is going to be co-sponsoring the event. Can I mention two things? Uh, sure. Um, Andrew, Andrew C. McCarthy, who, who we met and who, who I debated with about Islam and Islamism, has a new book called uh, Faithless Execution, Building the Political Case for Obama's Impeachment. Mm-hmm. He was on Mark Levin the other day and they, and they were uh, talking about it. And, and he said something about the fact that I think Levin actually pushed it where um, the House and uh, our government in not 
organizing an effort to try to impeach him, you know, regardless if they can do it or not, are not doing their job. Right. This guy has gone far past the point of being reined in, and they're not doing their job in that. And, and McCarthy builds the case you know, with his book, and I hope it really, really gets people thinking and talking about it because it's the word. It, you know, they call it the I word in Washington. You know, to them, it's like it's like the N word. Right. Right. You know, it's the I word. You know, keep it quiet. You know, this is reminding me a little bit of something that Greenwald said last night. And towards the end of the talk, he was basically saying, well, what can we do about all of this intrusive NSA surveillance? And the first thing he said is that you can't really expect anything from Congress. How can you expect Congress to basically vote away power from themselves? And similarly, if they... Yeah, but you're not supposed to sit there and say, oh, that's that. No, you've got to have some decent people in there who will push the rest. I mean, the, well, the fact is they won't do it. And I'd love to see Greenwald say, okay, well, Ted Cruz, he's not doing his job with respect to First Amendment and other issues. I'd like to see I'd like to see more of Cruz on NSA. I'd like to see. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's only so much you could do. You know, we really put a lot of pressure on him because he's, he's the guy. I know. And uh, the guy has his own, you know... He's, he's kicking butt in a lot of ways, and, but I, I'd like and to whatever see issue he takes on, on does it pretty it's, damn it's well. It's my pet issue. He should just do what I want. <laughs> no, but it's no. just that he is uh, he's very good. But, and, but, and, by the way, Bill O'Reilly calls uh, Barack Obama an honest man. Just for the record, Bill O'Reilly. So he'll be the one on Fox News if they ever do try to impeach this guy, which they won't. No. He'll be criticizing it. Mr. Fact-Based Guy. So let's, let's, let's look, because last night I saw some posts, and thank you, I think it was Stuart who actually posted this on my page, from Justin Amash. They were touting the passage of an amendment to what I believe is the next annual funding bill for the military. And this amendment is supposed to drastically curb what the NSA is doing. But when you actually read the content... It's a bunch of hooey and nothing, which is exactly what Greenwald was talking about last night. Greenwald was saying it's going to sound impressive. It's going to sound, you know, there's going to be reform in the title or some other thing. And when you actually look at the substance of it, it's going to, if anything, help entrench and strengthen the program as opposed to, you know, because it's just another reiteration that what they're doing is okay. And maybe there's some cosmetic curbs on the power here and there. And that's what I think this is, unfortunately. Uh, here's the story from the New York Times. The headline is, House Votes to Curb NSA Scrutiny of Americans' Communications. It sounds so impressive, doesn't it? So let's see what it actually is. The, the vote was impressive. The vote was 293 to 123 in the House. And it's amendment to the 2015 Defense Appropriations Act A version of the proposal had been a component in the original version of the USA Freedom Act, which was legislation that the House passed last month, but that was never going to happen because of negotiations among congressional leaders. It says the proposal um, has drawn opposition from security agencies, so boy, you know, it must be really giving you your freedom because there's some opposition out there to this. And then uh, here is a quote from a joint statement of a bunch of representatives and stuff. It says, there's no question Americans have become increasingly alarmed with the breadth of unwarranted government surveillance programs used to store and search their private data. It says, by adopting this amendment, Congress can take a sure step towards shutting the back door on mass surveillance. And this is Representative Jim Sensenbrenner, 
Uh, he was Republican from Wisconsin. Zoe Lofgren, Democrat from California. Thomas Massey, Republican of Kentucky. And um, I guess also um, that Amash was celebrating the passage of this, too. It says the amendment would do this. It would impose new restrictions on how the security agency may gain access to Americans' emails and phone calls it collects without a warrant under the FISA. So they can still collect it without a warrant. It's just now the database that they have sitting there that any of them can access unlawfully at any time, they can only lawfully access it if they have a warrant. They can still collect it. Nice, huh? Says so the law, the, the, the FISA Amendments Act of 2008, that law, allows the NSA to gather phone calls and emails of non-citizens abroad without a warrant from operators of the domestic telephone network like AT&T and Verizon and from American communication provider like Google and Yahoo. Now, first of all, I do not think that we should be gathering all of the communications of all non-citizens anyway. I think that's immoral. Whether you think there's a right to it under the Constitution or not is another thing. So I think that's immoral. There needs to be particularized suspicion. Otherwise, you are not respecting people as human beings before you start just gathering their communications and throwing them in a gigantic database. Now, what happens is because of that authority, a lot of communications from Americans also get swept up and gathered in this. It says they gather up a large amount of Americans' communications as well if the Americans are communicating with or about a foreign target. That's a huge breadth, right? With or about. So all this amendment says is, oh yeah, you can still collect it. It can still be sitting there in that database, but and we'll store it, but you can only access it legally with a warrant. They, they can abuse that at any time. Any individual employee can get in there. They just don't have a warrant. They should not be collecting it in the first place, is my point. So there's that. The other provision in this amendment talks about the fact that they can no longer force uh, product providers, so say Apple, who makes the iPhone, they cannot force Apple to build a backdoor into the iPhone. Now, that's good that they can't actually compel. But, I mean, when in the world did they have the right to do this in the first place? I hate the idea that they had to pass a piece of legislation to say that they cannot force a product provider. I mean, like Apple. Apple is trying to put as much bang for the buck into as little weight as possible in each new device that they release, right? They make them lighter and smaller and faster and better with every iteration. And then they say, oh, well, you got to put this back door in for the NSA as well. I'm sure the back door weighs something and costs something. And they're just, Apple's just forced to put it in and, and suck it up. I mean, that's ridiculous too. So that is the one kind of real thing. But this other idea, it's like, oh, well, you know, I feel so much better. They're still collecting the vast database, but they can't search the database without a warrant. Do you feel better? Would you be, like, celebrating this massively? No. And, and this is the other thing, and this is the point that I made in that YouTube video. Um, that's all it is now is a YouTube video. It never got on Al Jazeera. Legislation like this can just be amended and turned around tomorrow and changed again. Yeah. We need right. a reform in constitutional doctrine, right? Right. 
I mean, that's what we need. And I think we need to get rid of the third-party doctrine that leaves all of this stuff up to legislation in the first place. Everything should be protected by the Fourth Amendment. So, again, go back to, I have that article called Don't Tread on My Metadata at PJ Media. Go read it again, and you can hear what I have as a substitute for the third-party doctrine that would still deal with the root of the legitimate problem of government using informants to target uh, criminals. So yeah, so I'm not impressed. I'm just I'm just not that impressed. You know, uh, I'm glad that they can't uh, force Apple to put little backdoors into the iPhone. What do you What about you guys over here at Blog Talk Radio in the in the chat room? Yeah, Stuart says I'm sorry that they only went through the motions. Yeah, and that's what they're doing. And, and it's it's really depressing because some of these people are people you thought, oh, I think they're better, and for them to be celebrating massively something that is so minor and for the New York Times to be writing it up the way that they do. They say, oh, you know, the security people are really, you know, against this. So, boy, it must be really giving you something here. Do you feel any more secure, like you have any more privacy under this amendment than than not under this amendment? First of all, you don't even know what backdoors are in any of the devices that you have. You don't know for sure that a device that you have... I I do talk to my iPhone every so often. I'm starting to feel like a crazy person, right? Like, okay, NSA people, you know, screw you. And um, and I I refer to them with uh, certain words I can't say. Well, I can, but I'd rather not. Yeah, not on this show. Not on this show. We want to... I mean, I shouldn't have even said the, the things that I just... Rat. Yeah, yeah. We just... Uh, but yeah, you know... Here, here's a story that was just posted on uh, Breitbart. And just just read it. I won't say what it is. It's it's, it's Rand Paul, but just read it. This just, is, this the, is, the first paragraph. This is Rand Paul? Okay. this is I'm quoting from him, and I don't know why I'm doing this. So here I go. Back here at home, there is a war being waged. It takes over one million lives every year. It is a war against the unborn, and it must end. Oh. So that's what he's doing today. That's what he's doing today. Grand Paul. Okay. Well, I, I mean, ma- he, I, yeah, but he's an anti-war guy who's pro-war in this sense. I'd Paul. much rather see him pick apart this yes, amendment. Yes, that's what I'm saying. What I'm yeah. saying is, this is what he's doing today, not this. You know, he's just—he's embarrassing. And talk about the naked, embarrassing red meat that he's throwing out there to the to the evangelicals. Ah, uh, guys, don't forget me, election day. Now listen to how brazen our government is. In this article, it says the government has argued that since the communications were lawfully obtained, thanks to the third-party doctrine, no warrant or court order should be necessary. It has not said how often it has performed such searches. Oh, that's just so wonderful. Um, and then finally, towards the end of the article is when it tells you the, the amendment also barred the NSA and the CIA from using funds in the bill to, quote, request or mandate that an American corporation alter a product to permit surveillance of it. Request or mandate. And you know what a request from the government sounds like. It sounds like a mandate. So ridiculous. So um, now there is a Democrat who voted against the amendment. Because he wants uh, to be reelected? Because, because he said it was too crudely written. Now he wanted probably more oh. nuances and, and more, you know, it was, it was too much for him even to have to have right. a warrant to search that database, that huge database that they continue to collect day after day, millions and millions of communications about all of us. So I would say that this amendment and the politicians celebrating it as if it's some big thing is a perfect illustration of the point that Greenwald made in his talk last night, that we cannot count on our Congress to save us from this surveillance. Certainly not Obama. 
right? Because Obama's relying on Congress to do it. It's such a convenient thing, right? Obama's like, oh, yeah, I got a pen and a phone. Well, when it's something that he doesn't want to do anything about, oh, got to go through Congress, right? right? And that's what he's doing here with this. It's, right. it's completely disgusting. So I agree with Greenwald about that. The other thing he said, and I think this is true as well, is that um, there are other nations in the world who will be putting pressure on the United States to change, and that might have some effect. Maybe would have some effect on Obama. Obama, Mr. International Dude, he wants to be president of the UN someday or something. I don't Probably know. Him. Is that what they call it, president? I don't even I don't know. know. I try to stay away from the UN. Every time I read something or hear something about the UN, I feel like I need a shower. I think, I think he'll be vying uh, with Clinton for it. Bill, Bill Clinton, the one be president of the world in their mind. <laughs> Seven two five two one over here in the chat room. Blog Talk Radio calls the Republicans Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This is sad. Right, uh, Mark Retz, uh, General Secretary. Right. That's the head General of, uh, Secretary, yes. The so head of the rat hole. So, you know, Obama's running for that now. So maybe international pressure would have an effect. The other thing that Greenwald said would have an effect is leading tech corporations like Facebook, Google, Apple, Twitter, Skype, going out there and actually calling for some reforms. Now, isn't uh, Skype was acquired by Google? I don't know. Is that right? Were they? Yeah, I think they were. Okay. So I think it's a, the kind of same deal. If you thought you had privacy with Skype and then it goes under Google, ha, <laughs> um, Yeah, I think Google's one of the least privacy-oriented. I was actually surprised to see that Apple cooperated with Prism. I was very pleasantly surprised to hear and to read again in Greenwald's book that Twitter did not uh, cooperate. Oh, Skype is owned by Microsoft. That's right. Thank you, Ed, for correcting me. Ed over here in the chat room corrected me. Yes, Microsoft. And that means your privacy is basically screwed with Skype with Microsoft because Microsoft was helping with backdoors to Outlook and all kinds of stuff with the government. I, I'm, I'm thinking they're starting to not do this as much. They're starting to push back a little only because they're feeling it in their bottom line. But if that's the motive, I mean, this is the thing. We need to create a demand for privacy, and we need to see that privacy is a value, not only if you supposedly, quote, have something to hide, right? It, it's a value in and of itself. And I, I, I think this whole idea that we say, okay, well, you know, privacy, I don't care so much because i got nothing to hide, um, it, it does breed the idea that you are going to remain the kind of person that the government doesn't want to know about in order so that they don't go looking after you. And I started to think about the times that I thought about when I was a kid. You know, I would never get in trouble at school with the principal because I never do the kind of things that get you in trouble with the principal at school. And I was thinking, is that the same sort of idea? Because I certainly don't have that idea about privacy now. But I had this idea when I was a kid that it was like a good thing that I would never get in trouble with the principal. Now, I think I also had an idea, though, of the substance of the sorts of things that would get you in trouble with the principal. And I agreed that all of those things were bad things, right? Um, like throwing food or, you know, whatever it was that was mm -hmm. going to get you in trouble with the principal. But now the kind of things that can get you in trouble with this government are having the wrong ideas and what they consider the wrong ideas are ideas in which you are defending and protecting and upholding individual rights. And so when you start to get that in your hat, you have a whole different uh, attitude here. I'm going to go ahead and talk to Ed. I think Ed is calling in. Hi, who's this? Hey, Ed? how are you doing? 
I'm yeah, doing yeah. fine. So did you did you finish Greenwald's book? I know you were reading it. Yes, yes, I, fi- I, I did. I finished it uh, quite quickly after it was published, actually. And uh, I, I really I thought it was good. He's got some, uh, some extra material on the web, uh, sort of supplement some of the documents that he put on the uh, in the book. It's uh, it, it's very well written. His view of privacy, I think, is fairly uh, fairly well stated. Uh, I think he gives a lot of the reasons why, even if someone claims they have nothing to hide, that they really don't. Um, that they really ought to support a more robust version of privacy. I don't think he uh, mentioned the third-party doctrine, though. In no, the book. I didn't. I, think he was for, I mean, I, I cheated because I'm only halfway through. I, I, I'm only halfway through, but then I went ahead and looked at the index to just make sure that right. he hadn't mentioned it. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to finishing up. And, and he did have some good things to say about the value of privacy itself during the talk, and I bet there's even more of that good stuff in the book. Yeah, I think um, – you know, I know that's one of your uh, – the third-party doctrine is one of your um, uh, fields of study, and I really appreciate the work you've done. But I think on a sort of a higher, more abstract level, uh, we have to think in terms of, look, the government doesn't have a right uh, to any information at all except right. that is pursuant to its proper function. And in this, yep. you know, catch, catching criminals or, or, you know, other nations or, or, or whatever, and that – um, you know, a lot of these laws, like the one you were just talking about, uh, there's this ex- there's this backdoor exception. You know, that the I, this telephone call I'm making now, um, uh, you, we you, you can imagine doing end-to-end encryption on it so that no one can listen, except that since I'm using a public telephone network, that is illegal. No one is a, allowed to create a device that has end-to-end encryption on now, it. Now, uh, as I understand it. As I understand it, Silent Circle is offering encrypted telephone calls. Yeah, that's IP. That's IP-based. I'm talking about the public switch telephone network, right? The, I see. Okay, the, the, okay. Uh, uh, right. So there's a, there's a wiretapping law that got put in, and that has not yet been applied to IP-based uh, phone calls like Skype or, you know, this, this private circle. Um, now, of course, there's a, there's a way that they simply can't enforce it right because the internet is is one of those things that is very robust um in you know against attacks uh so i I don't think they can enforce it against these ip-based systems they could have this just software it's maybe overseas you download it it would be it would be really cool um, anyway if if, i was gonna say if you remember in greenwald's book he talked about them actually tapping into the fiber optic networks that carried the signals so then that That's seems, right. they could get into anything at that point. Well, if it's encrypted as it goes no, over no, yeah, the yeah. fiber optic signals, then um, they can't. Now, what Snowden has said is, is that my guess is that the NSA can decrypt pretty much, pretty much anything um, if given enough time where, and, and enough supercomputing. But that means – that doesn't mean they can routinely decrypt everything. You know what I mean? So uh, the right. more and more things that go over the Internet that are encrypted, yes, maybe under in the bowels of Fort Meade they have a giant, you know, big brain with lots of cooling and, you know, electricity, and it can crunch on it, and it maybe would be able to decrypt some encrypted phone conversation. Maybe it will crack the password or something, or there's some other flaw or something. But it will take a lot of time. I think that's kind of what Snowden was getting uh, getting to, and so in fact, they can't just routinely decrypt everything, which is you know good. And so, right. uh, 
Greenwald makes the point, and I guess as Greenwald is making Snowden's point, that encryption is really going to be a technical attack against the surveillance state. Right. Um, we can talk about, I mean, one of Greenwald's main points is we can talk about, you know, Congress and we can talk about, you know, maybe uh, new executive orders or whatever to protect privacy, and none of that's really going to matter. What we really need to do is create a technological basis for privacy on the Internet, and that is this new encryption uh, capabilities that are being designed. And that, that's kind of what Snowden's main point was, and I think I think it's a point well taken. I think I think we're focusing too much on getting the idiots in Congress to do what we want, and less on oh, yeah. you know let's just let's just make it impossible for them to listen. Well, right, um, and 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 and, kind of- and the biggest thing is if if you take you know we've got this third party doctrine, just make it so that we are not sharing this information with third parties as much as possible, and it's still gonna kind of be hard to do with respect to some financial institutions. They need to figure out how to make this apply to our banking transactions. And I know some people are doing it. Bitcoin is actually a whole different ballgame because sometimes people who are into Bitcoin are both into privacy and having a currency that isn't regulated by the Fed, right? So there's yeah. different yeah, different motivations right. that play there. But let me let me go back to one thing. So you were talking about the the broader topic, not just the third-party doctrine, but the idea of protecting our rights unless there is a vital government function. And, and the, way, the language that I've been using to kind of talk about that point is protecting rights within the context of a government that is performing its proper function. You know, what does it mean to protect our rights to property and contract in a context where the government does have the right to sometimes compel the production of evidence against suspected criminals, right? It, it means that you require that the government have probable cause and particularized suspicion, but that they can compel it if they do have that. And we're just so far removed from that right now. But it is, it's, you know, I'm not an anarchist and you're not an anarchist. You know, we believe that the government should be able to fight crime. But right now, with what they've set up, They are not protecting our rights at all, and they're using terrorism and crime prevention as a pretext. Right. I mean, just because it's a proper government function to protect us from criminals and terrorists doesn't mean that the procedural, um, you know, the due process procedures that have been evolved over the last thousand years to protect the privacy don't uh, still apply, right? I mean, you could install... If, if, if you just say, well, you've got to stop crime, well, what's, the, what's to stop them from installing cameras in all of our houses and, and key loggers on all of our computers? We're stopping crime. We could stop more crime that way. I mean, I think the due process procedures that have been evolved, like you said, the, 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 it's based on a sworn oath. Remember, the, the Fourth Amendment says it's got to be a sworn oath by right. a law enforcement officer. And, you know, it's, they're never prosecuted, of course, but it, that, what that means is that the, the law enforcement officer, if he lies on the application, should be um, liable for perjury, right? I mean, that's what that part, nobody talks about that part, but that's a, a, a critical part, that there, is, that there should be a penalty for lying on a, a, a warrant application and then uh, describing the person, the things and 
uh, places uh, to be searched and seized. And, you know, it's all very important that every aspect of that, which I think the founders were particularly uh, brilliant in, in stating, um, be enforced. Um, I agree. So, I agree. We are, uh, we're coming up against a break here, Ed, Ed, but I thank you for calling. And we will okay. talk to you again, I'm sure. Thank I'm going to keep looking at you here in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for calling. So here we go into our little uh, break. Go do what you have to do, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Okay, that was a little bit off the beaten path. That is some bush, for those of you who don't recognize it. Um, are you still shaking your head at my music, boss? <laughs> He's sighing at my music. It's so sad. By the way, we have to watch uh, a new show called Tyrant. Tyrant? You know why? Why? Because CARE, the Council <laughs> of Islamic American Relations, is bitching about it preemptively before it even airs. They said that uh, in the pilot, Arab Muslim culture is devoid of any redeeming qualities and is represented by terrorists, murderers, children, rapists, corrupt billionaires, powerless. Basically, it represents the Muslim world, you know. And uh, now we have to watch it. Okay. So we'll, well, I guess we have to. It's it, it's a moral imperative. I did not get to this question while Ed was speaking with me on the phone here, but Ed, if you want to chime in here at the chat room and see if you uh, have an Holly, answer, it's, it's not the worst song. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not the worst one. Uh, 72521 asks, he says, sorry for the semi-off topic. I don't think this is off topic at all, so don't apologize. Uh, Seven asks, did Greenwald ever publish that list of U.S. citizens that the NSA spied on? Mm. As far as I know, he has not yet published that list. Um, and Ed says, no, not yet. Coming soon, allegedly. Yeah, Good I want to see I this forgot list. about it. We have to list. see it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, it would have been good if someone mentioned it or if he mentioned it at the talk, because that's that's a huge thing. Yeah, I should have asked him about that. I had my little geeky third party doctrine thing and I had my mind focused on that. Well, you're very limited. I mean, you walk up yeah. there and you have a minute tops. That's what I did. Maybe two. Handed him my card. I also gave his card, uh, excuse me, my card to a friend of his who was sitting there in the audience, too. So maybe one way or another. I will be able to get in touch with him. But I don't know if he wants to have any correspondence with objectivists or not. And another thing I would love to know is whether Snowden ever read any Ayn Rand. No. One one thing that I forgot to talk about, and we actually should talk about it during show proper, but whatever, blog talk people get the, the good stuff. Uh, if you noticed, Ed, when you read the book, and whenever you've heard Greenwald speak, people who have heard him speak, he talks about Snowden sacrificing. Mm. Sacrifice, sacrifice, right. sacrifice. And on my view, and as far as I can tell, on Snowden's view, it wasn't a sacrifice right? what he did. Snowden, you know, the quote, the quote I remember from Snowden is that he says, I did not want to live in a world where this sort of surveillance was going on. Right. And so if you say, look, I don't want to live in a world where it's like it is, then you're going to do whatever you can to damn change it, right? You know, it, it's not a sacrifice if you have decided that you don't want to live otherwise. Right, right. He never used that language in uh, 
would have been a nice thing also to mention if you had time. But if you do a correspondence with them, you definitely got to ask them that. Yeah. And also the question if no one and, has read it. And, and, I mean, and, and think about this. Think about this, right? You know, um, Greenwald seems to understand points that are similar to that. So, for instance, when he was talking about, you know, the, the accusations against Snowden that he's crazy, that he was a fame-seeking narcissist, blah, 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 and, uh, you know, that he had a psychological disorder, he was saying, you know, look what they're saying. It's like only people with psychological disorders would do this. And, you know, basically he's saying it would be a sacrifice to do this. Yeah, Ed says he means give up things, which Snowden did. Yeah, he gave up things. But he, he gained. And I, I think I'm hoping that he's going to gain a lot more than he gave up. Yeah, I understand. The, the definition of sacrifice is not the same definition as used by normal Americans. Yes, that's true. I would love to have that discussion with Greenwald, though, and just to say, look, you know, Snowden did not couch it in terms of sacrifice at all. I mean, he couched it in terms that, to me, sounded pretty darn selfish. And he seemed to have a very coherent view, you know, the idea of he was going to come in and identify himself as the leaker, uh, state why he did what he did, and then get out of the public limelight. And he did right. that for a year. He did not give any interview he's not become the rock star that he was news. accused yeah. of being by uh, Gutfeld and others he, 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 you know he became a little bit of a rock star in sort of the tech world and I think he would he appeared virtually at SX yeah, but SW what I'm saying Austin, is if he wanted to be the rock star he'd be all over the place I mean he oh, would yeah, be no, in no. any he, kind of uh, he could have been and, underground and Green, media Greenwald made this point he could have been on every nightly talk every, show all the course, always. every night for weeks and weeks and weeks and he did not behave like your typical fame-seeking narcissist no. would ever behave. He would have had a reality show, you know, Yeah. with no privacy. <laughs> Nielsen in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says that I want a T-shirt that says I'm number whatever in the world in the NSA's list. Me too. I mean, if, if I was on that list, I would get a T-shirt and wear it proudly. It would be awesome, you know, because you think, okay, look, you're actually doing something that makes a difference because today – Again, you know, compare it with my childhood mindset. Childhood mindset, I knew that the things that would get you in trouble with the principal were bad things. Today, apparently, the things that can get you in trouble with our government are good things. Yeah. And it's a really sorry state of affairs. So it's almost a badge of honor to be in trouble with the government. We're about at the end of our break here. I'm going to go ahead and give you a little music, and we'll see you on the other side. Everybody, you are listening to the second hour of Don't Let It Go Unheard. Amy Peacock here. I think cartoonist Bosch Faustin is having to split on me. Bye, Bosch. Thank you for your service. But we didn't get any of those big Boschisms. I don't know. I have one, I think. <laughs> if you would like to stand in for Bosch and speak with me, you can call 760-888-5817. Whoever calls and try to sound like me. Like, make a caricature. I just want to hear how it is. It must be fun. <laughs> Really, not Scott Brick, just me. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, definitely, definitely call in. Uh, now, oh, seven T-shirts. People are talking about getting seven T-shirts 
that would say, I'm number blah, blah, blah on the NSA's list. Yeah, you'd have to have one for each day of the week, right? You're going to do laundry once a week. Um, yeah, if I was on the NSA's list, I would proudly want to wear a T-shirt. Remember number six, the prisoner? Oh, number six, the prisoner. That's right. Yeah. That's true. That's true. It would be like the prisoner, that old series. That was from the 60s, 60s. is that right? Is that Patrick right? McGowan. Patrick McGowan. That was a fun yeah, series to watch. Maybe we should watch it again. I don't know. That could be fun. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's kind of lighthearted. It's... Uh, yeah. We can skip the final episode, but yeah, we can watch it again. Are you are you back? Maybe. Maybe there's something was going on, and and we'll you see. and you and you think maybe you can sit here and join us. Maybe I think, I I think you were just afraid. Bit. You were afraid that somebody was going <laughs> to call in and be such an awesome co-host. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's right. Bye, Bosh. Seven six zero eight 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 five eight one seven is the number to call if you want to try out for co-host of Don't Let Not Really, not really at all. Um, let's go ahead and get back to our list of stories. Yeah, of which yeah we, Nelson. Nelson knows about the about the prisoner. Nielsen knows about yeah. Nielsen, sorry. Uh, great stuff. Yeah, it was fun. Stuff. Really good episodes, good acting, uh, and the whole idea behind it was very good. He was pissed off at the quote unquote system, you know. Tammy Bruce this week has a piece over at the Washington Times, and her headline is America's Expanding Police State. And I bring this up not only because I think it's a good piece and it's kind of on the theme of what we're talking about. She's focusing not so much on the NSA and the spine. And she's, of course, she thinks exactly like we do. She's a supporter of Snowden. She is anti-NSA and all of this bulk, you know, data collection that they're doing. Can you um, mention a little... Thing at the, yeah, yeah. yeah so, the, so, but the thing I wanted to mention, uh, this piece focuses on all the different federal agencies that you would never imagine would need weapons, are just kind of inexplicably buying up ammunition and arms. Why, for example, let's see if there, I'm going to scroll down and find the example here. Um, there's certain organizations, you say, why in the world do they even need it? It is... Which agency? Let me find it here. Um, NOAA? Is that some sort of weather thing? Um, who is the NOAA? Do you know? No. But the U.S. Postal Service, Department of Agriculture, the Commerce Department, and even, oh yeah, NOAA. Here it is. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Oceanic, Administration. Yeah. Why are they buying weapons? They have acquired billions of rounds of ammunition between them, and that just seems bizarre. Right. says, so New York Times reports that during the Obama administration, according to Pentagon data, police departments have also received tens of thousands of machine guns, nearly 200,000 ammunition magazines, thousands of pieces of camouflage and night vision equipment, etc. And it just seems like a government that is either totally misguided because they anticipate more terrorism on our soil because they're not doing enough to address it abroad, or... They are preparing for, and this is, you know, Tammy's point, as was Tammy's guest this week, um, Cheryl Chumley, I believe is her name, that they think that there's, they're gearing up for a police state that more and more people in our government believe is inevitable. And, I mean, really, that shirt that I was wearing at the Greenwald event last night 
the Captain America, if you remember, the whole thing with Captain America is to take this surveillance to its logical conclusion, which is that all these people that they surveil in the in the movie, I think it's 20 million people no. that they decide are potential dangerous dissenters because they might actually overthrow the all-powerful state at some point, no. and that those people just need to be vaporized right. Literally. Within, within a matter of seconds, which is the technology that they had developed. And, and so, you know, maybe this is what they're doing. You know, they're, they are actually planning on doing something about those of us who decide that we are going to resist a government that initiates more and more force against uh, citizens. So go check that out. The thing, the other reason I wanted to bring it up is because Tammy invited us, and we attended this last Saturday, something called TamCon. She has a little kind of convention gathering for some of her listeners on the West Coast. And that was a really nice little gathering. There were right. about... 50, 60 people there. We met a few listeners to her show and to our show, which is, you know, which is a very cool mic. Not one, surprisingly, one the there is overlap in the listenership of the and, two shows. Uh, I drew, a I drew two opinion. drawings. I drew yeah. the, um, the image for the actual TAMCON and something uh, as a giveaway for a raffle. Uh, I drew her dog and her cat as superheroes, Batman and Robin, which is fun. And we got to meet her dog, yeah. Sydney, who was so beautiful, cute, beautiful little dog. And I'm also kinda... it was impromptu talk. I mean, I just, you know, she asked us to speak, and I got up there, and I, I just yapped away for about 15, 20 minutes almost about my work. <laughs> and uh, I had nothing planned, zero. I was asked to, I said, okay. And when I could talk about my work, I could definitely talk and talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any such uh, uh, speech. Anyway, so th thanks to Tammy Bruce for inviting us, and thanks to those of you who came and we got to meet. It was it was a lot of fun Very to cool. do. But yeah, go go check that out if you want to just be a little bit further depressed. Why don't we get into something that is a little bit better? This is an article that was sent to me by listener Rob Abiera, and the headline is "From Oklahoma to Louisiana: Why States Are Dropping Common Core." Yay! Because remember, one of the yeah. big that we have to battle on in the long term in this country is getting government out of education. And I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed with uh, what I saw from Ted Cruz this week. He did a photo op and some sort of a you know statement about charter schools, where he was talking about how charter schools, which basically take government money and spend it with private companies who run these little schools, uh, how they are doing such a better job educating children. And that is true. But we need to take it further. We need to say, look, the fact that charter schools are so much better on any objective measure of, of how well they educate children, the reason they're so much better is because they are run by private companies. It's not government. Mm -hmm. And it's just one indication that government needs to get its butt out of education out. entirely. Government at all levels needs to be out of education. We need to abolish government schools, including, unfortunately, charter schools. But anyway, that's uh, that's Ted Cruz. But the, you know, what is the first step? The first step is dropping the Common Core. The second step is to stop the government from running the schools entirely. I suppose Bobby Jindal, the governor, uh, did it via executive order. Okay. Yeah, he actually went out there and put it online and did that. And uh, people might, might might criticize that, but get this crap out of here. If that's what he has to do, that's what he has to do. He knows it's bad. Use the pen and the phone for good stuff. Sure. It, it, especially if in your state you have the power to it's do It's being so. foisted on them, so he said, I reject it. 
the Fox News article that I have the link posted to over at DontLetItGo.com, if you want to go check it out, it says, when Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon signed a bill repealing Common Core national standards from her state schools, it was perhaps the most ironic movement in the fight over the initiative. It says, Fallon is chairwoman of the National Governors Association, one of the private groups that hold the copyright of Common Core. You know, a private group owns public school standards. That, that is kind of weird as well. It says, while Fallon wasn't governor at the time the standards were created and adopted, she nonetheless rejected her own organization's initiative. Hmm. Same week, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley signed a bill to repeal Common Core and require the state to design its own standards. Indiana has repealed Common Core, too, though the replacement standards are largely seen as a disappointment because they virtually mirror the national standards. Okay, that's silly. Uh, legislation is also making its way through North Carolina. And in North Carolina, I think they're saying here, quote, uh, we want high standards. If there are pieces or components of Common Core that you think are age appropriate, they can take those individual pieces. But as a whole, we want more rigorous standards. Rigor. By the way, Robert MRC mentions uh, Romantis. As we all often mention when we talk about this, that uh, C. Bradley Thompson does talks about it at uh, Ocon and also in uh, the Objectivist Standard uh, articles. Yeah, C. Bradley Thompson is excellent. Excellent. On He's one who calls for the abolition. Yeah. Yes. Abolition, and we need to do it soon because it's just it's yeah. just getting worse and worse. And that would really really help one, us one, on our way. One little piece of good news, and I didn't put it in the links for this week, but at some point I should have put it in here, which is that in California they have. I believe, repealed tenure for public school teachers. So no tenure for public school teachers. Now, you'd say, okay, that's good. In a way, it's bad in the sense that you'd say, oh, well, the public schools are going to be better now so we can keep them and perpetuate them. So we'll just perpetuate (laughs) government involvement in education, and we need to get government out. Ed Ed writes here, he says, the charter schools uh, can fire bad teachers. uh, That one thing could dramatically improve education. But, you know, at the same time, you want all these schools just... Out. I mean, you want this to be over and done with. Get the hell out of. Um, get the hell out of education. Exactly. So, what is the reason that they are trying to uh, get rid of Common Core? Why is it that they want to get rid of it? And this is what we. Uh, why do we choose to use federal standards? Uh, one opponent, his uh, representative John Adams, I believe he's from Ohio. Uh, He says, uh, money, politics, failed leadership. Okay, so he's against money, politics, and failed leadership. I'm for money. By the way, uh, did you check out that that story with uh, Kasich? Um, No, I didn't check out. Let me me finish on this one first. So Fallon from Oklahoma says, uh, it says, the the article here at Fox News says that her analysis of the situation is poignant and causes one to wonder why other states aren't responding as her state did unless they're so hooked on federal money or so fearful of or comfortable with their Washington overlords that they wouldn't dare raise a hackle. When the final analysis of Common Core debacle is done, it will likely be concluded that states shouldn't adopt substantial policy changes willy-nilly, all in the name of attracting federal cash. Right? Um, but, I mean, this is the whole idea. They, they got it over on everybody by holding out this cash, you know, and that's how they did it. Um, And Phelan says, no, we're not going to be bribed in order to get these unified national standards. So um, I'm trying to see if there's a a pull quote from her on, you know, a a zinger from Phelan, but I don't see it here. So, but 
kudos to these people. And this is a beautiful development that the common core is being rejected in state after state after state. It is just a first step. But if we can peel off the layers of the onion and start first with the Common Core, and then maybe if we got a good president, we could actually get rid of the Federal Department of Education, and then we could slowly unravel the state government's involvement in education, we would be doing so much better. So that is a bit of good news for us this week, and thanks to Rob Abiera for sending it on. What do you got, boss? No, just about... Um uh, Kasich, what, uh, where's he from? He's, uh, he's from Ohio, right? Yeah, he's yeah. the piece of crap who uh, basically um, expanded Medicare. Uh, what was it? The expansion of Medicaid, um, remember? To bring it, to bring in, I don't know how oh, much money. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was, he was all on to the Medicaid expansion. And yeah. basically uh, helping Obamacare. And uh, now he's like, uh, job growth, big government are two wings of a bird. And he, I mean, just the things he was saying was, I like, I like to compare a strong state like I compare a mom and a, and a dad. When mom and dad have more, they can do more for the kids and for the relatives. And he goes on, he, he's completely naked now. He's a Democrat. This guy's a statist, absolute Democrat statist, hack, piece of crap who came as something else. He ran as something else, now he's all in. And there's, there's no shame. I mean, he's just out there. He says, you know what? Because I, I, I think some of these status Republicans thought they had to hide it until Obama came. They're like, well, this is, in their mind, this is where the country's going, so I'm going to dive all in now. So. Do you know where Kasich is on Common Core? Have you ever heard anything about that? No. He probably has Kasich Core. Same thing. Right. Now, Nielsen in the chat room says that charters are not beholden to the union, so that helps them, of course. Ed predicts that the court ruling that banned tenure in California will be overturned on appeal. And Ed says uh, case against pro common core, of course. Of course. He also says uh, he he says he always struggles to, with with talking about my motivation. He says because people listen, so I always struggle with talking about my motivation because people tend to look at it and be very critical of it. He puts on this. Real, <laughs> Uh, basically, I don't want. You know what he's, doing? <laughs> he's trying to sound like Chris Christie, and, also, and suddenly I'm, I'm and also, chocolate. Uh, what's called Bill O'Reilly. You know, hey folks, you folks. know, you yeah. know, the folks, the, the folks. folks, you know. Oh my God. He's a Harvard educated, you know, folks. Anyway, kudos, kudos to the states who are dropping this. It is a first important first step. Next story is not as optimistic or nice. It was also sent to me by Rob Abiria, so thanks, Rob, for sending me some good stuff this week. There apparently has been a vote on the federal government Internet tax proposal. This was posted on Representative Jason Murphy's blog, and on, that was on Monday, June 16th when this was posted. And he says, who do you think is more likely to defend you against the overreach of the federal government, the Republicans in Congress or Oklahoma's legislators? And he said many would say the latter. He said that he was actually afraid that Oklahoma's legislators were going to take a stand with Harry Reid and the Democrats in an effort to pressure congressional Republicans into expanding the role of federal government as it relates to collecting state taxes. One more quote into the mind of this Republican status. Sales taxes, sorry. I'm sorry, one more quote, and this is a case of yours. And when the state of Ohio is stronger, they can do more for people who don't always participate and enjoy the fruits of economic growth. He didn't say the, the, the uh, hurt or the injured. He talked about the bums. And I'm going to take care of the bums. He's sending a signal out there. I mean, it's just it's shocking. Nielsen in the chat room on the topic of education, he says, two of my kids graduated from charters. I regret nothing except not putting them in sooner. Yeah, if you have no choice except for government-run schools, 
because of the context of your life, which is easy to have happen because the government is sucking productivity out of us or the fruits of your productivity away from you. Um, yeah, charters are the best way to go. We had that whole story that we talked about last week from Reason Magazine where they kept pouring more and more mm-hmm. money into New Jersey, that place right. in New Jersey. Camden. Camden, New Jersey. And eventually the only schools that are surviving are the charters. Yep. And that's really, in truth, what where it should be everywhere. Only the schools that are run by private companies, I think, have a, have, have a chance. Um, so what this representative says here in Oklahoma, Jason Murphy, is that he was happy that the uh, different Oklahoma legislators were against the tax, this new sales tax. I mean, this is what they want to do. They just want to tax and tax and tax and spend and tax and spend. And if they do get this new sales tax, it's going to curb productivity. I mean, already our economy is struggling. This idea that we've had a five-year supposed recovery Employment is flat in terms of the level by of design. workforce participation. It's by design. <laughs> and Obama goes out there as if he has nothing to do with it, with the problems of, you know, right. like in the future, in the future. Now, Murphy says here that most of us will agree that the federal government should not have a role to play in the area of our sales tax collection policy. Now, see how that is couched? It's like, oh, well, the states get to collect sales tax. I'd much rather see in you know, opposition to taxes as such, but that's what you get from Jim Inhofe. Is Inhofe retired already now? On his way up, possibly. Yeah. I think uh, so. Sadness. Yeah. Um, in May of last year, the U.S. Senate approved a new Internet sales tax bill known as the Marketplace Fairness Act. Oklahoma Senator you know, Jim Inhofe, he stated, quote, the act first and foremost represents a tax increase, which is why I opposed it. Awesome. Listen to the title of that act. Marketplace fairness. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's when you know it's rotten. Yeah. That's it. oh, okay. Marketplace fairness. Skim a bunch of more money off the top and mm. take it for our coffers. He says, I am also concerned this bill would add layers of red tape and regulations onto online businesses of all sizes, which in turn would hurt consumers, entrepreneurs, and future economic growth, end quote. And I say, duh. So good for Jim Inhofe. And it says, following passage in the Senate, the tax bill proceeded to the U.S. House, where House Republicans did not seem anxious to take it up, thankfully. Those who wanted the tax to go forward needed to pressure Republicans indicating advocates for the tax needed the state legislatures to pass their own bills to change state laws to enact a federal proposal, even though it has not yet been approved. This may seem like putting the cart before the horse, but it's a method to this. Once the state-level bills are passed, lobbyists in D.C. can lobby for the federal Internet tax proposal by pointing to states which have not only approved the idea, but preemptively changed state laws to adopt it. What better way to put pressure, et cetera? Um, Now, with just a little than a month left, less than a month left in legislative session, a harmless bill originally designed to address a military income tax issue suddenly morphed into a bill to make Oklahoma comply with the federal Internet sales tax proposal. And that's what they're considering, I guess, in the Oklahoma state legislature. It arrived on the floor of the House with just three days remaining in session. Normally, bills carried by leadership are successful, and he feared this would be no different. Fortunately, it says a coalition of 59 of them formed in opposition to the bill. In what I believe to be one of the most important votes of the session, the bill was defeated are we going to move to Oklahoma or what? 
Thunder. I, you know, I think that's what Rob's the thunder. doing. Rob keeps sending us these stories, you know. Oh, <laughs> it, well, they have the thunder. Right. The thunder's really good. The yes. Oklahoma thunder. There you go. Um, Russell Westbrook, wow. We've got a rejection of the Common Core by the governor. We've got a rejection by their legislature of this marketplace fairness. Mm. How can you be against marketplace fairness? That's the whole thing. Right? <laughs> it's like the Violence Against Women Act. You know, oh my, if I don't yeah, vote for that, I'm, right. I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm in favor I'm for. of violence. And it's a big fat pork bill. You know, <laughs> I mean, they have to, they manipulate these names. Like, let's, let's make sure they can't vote against it. Right, right. Oh my God. It's just crazy. Anyway, I, maybe you're doing that, Rob. I don't know. He's making Oklahoma <laughs> sound very attractive. The thing about Oklahoma is it gets darn hot and the tornadoes. Right. Tornadoes are huge. Right. And I see a lot of destruction from tornadoes. We were there um, a few years ago. Yeah, I was there once for a dog agility event. Yeah. Hung out there. I went there. We drove and around. And I think there was danger of tornadoes, not where I was, but in the state somewhere while I was there. Yeah. I think I remember that. So it's it's a commonplace thing for them. You know? I don't know. Anyway, we uh, what we have a couple of minutes here. Why don't we go ahead and talk about this one story? I just wanted to follow this because it is something that we should remember. It was kind of buried in the Wall Street Journal, but it's good just to let you know that all of the governments that are trying to deal with Iran are just full of garbage. Yeah. Headline, Wall Street Journal story posted today, Iran nuclear talks produce possible framework for deal. That sounds pretty lame as it is. And as you read the story, it just gets more and more lame because all they talk about is, well, we've got a framework. It's true that they disagree on a lot of the substantive points, but we, you know, we're we've got some text, you know, down in a framework. And boy, gosh, gosh darn it, you know, we're getting closer. We're getting. They're not getting closer. Look, I, I ran, they're not getting closer. Iran would never get nukes if we didn't want them to. And it's a sick thing, but by that, you know, idea, it's like we want them to. Our government is like, well. Because if you don't want to stop them, if you, they are the greatest state sponsor of terrorism on earth, if you don't stop them to get nukes, that means you, you basically want them to get nukes. Right. And then just please don't nuke us will be the next step. Please don't nuke us. Yeah, please don't nuke us. Because then we might have to think about nuking you back. I mean, we, we, you know, we don't want to do that, even if you nuke us. Listen to this. The, the U.S. envoy at the talks, these six countries or so talking with Iran, we are at a very crucial moment in these negotiations. Our conversations this week have been very tough but constructive. She says, we had very intensive sessions focused on the very hard work of drafting text. So what they're doing is they're drafting a bunch of text to say that they're drafting text, but all the major <laughs> points have not been agreed on. I mean, that is ridiculous. You know, we're waiting on a contract where at least all the major points have been agreed on, yeah. and that's hard enough. Right. But, Anyway, we've got, we got, we got to go into a break here, actually. We're, we're, rights, okay. we're, we're into a hard break, so we'll see you on the other side of this. Some of you guys will recognize that as a little bit more bush than I'm playing with here in our bumpers for today. So, uh. Seven writes, uh, quote, you're an evil American if you don't support this act, act. 
That's right. You know, the argument from intimidation. <laughs> I mean, listen, this marketplace yeah. and fairness. Right. Who can be against fairness in the marketplace? You yeah. know, they use the, the word Affordable market. Care Act, we, right? We like the word market in our stuff, and, and we'll just keep using the word market and, and fair. And yeah. you know, How could you possibly be? It's more taxes. I, yeah. I would love... you the know, more do, taxes do, act. Do you remember there was that movie, um, I think it was just called Crazy People, and the premise of it was that there were these crazy people, including, I think, it was, was it Dustin Hoffman who was in that movie? Anyway, the idea was, that they would come up with ads that actually told the truth. And so the slogans and the names of things and stuff would all reflect the actual truth about it. Yeah. And um, it was, for instance, Volvo. The pro- if you remember, Volvos were really big for a while. And I don't know I don't if they I think it was still- Dustin Hoffman. I think it was someone else, but I do know what you're talking about. Maybe it wasn't Dustin Hoffman. I don't know. I know what you're talking about, though. It sounds um, very familiar. Yeah, and so, so the, the slogan for Volvo was... Boxy but good. Yeah. And then Jaguar, you have to excuse, this is going to be a little bit vulgar, but the the slogan for Jaguar was um, Jaguar for men who want hand jobs from women they hardly know. What the? Because that's what it is. It was like basically <laughs> in the commercial they would show these women and say, you know, if you have a Jaguar, you're going to get these hot women or something. And then um, there were like there were different products for, you know, so-called regularity, you know, uh, such and such because you want to go to the bathroom. I mean, it was just like completely straight, you know, as opposed to, to having slogans that were any sort of euphemism. What actor was it? So I'd love to have a bill in Congress that <laughs> says exactly what it's yes. going to do. So it's, you know... Tax you to uh, death. Uh, or, yeah, another, another bill to skin you alive yeah, the, on the Internet Act or something. Yeah, right? violate your rights <laughs> act. I mean, just... More money to hell with the Divisional more, Rights Act. More money out of your pockets and into ours act. I mean, come <laughs> yeah, on. Absolutely. I want it. Dudley Moore. Thanks, Seven. Dudley Moore. Thank Dudley you Moore. So thanks, Seven. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, re- I recommend it. It's a fun movie for a lot of laughs. Uh, Arthur is funny. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just funny. The way he did it. So, so you know, was I saying it was? Was I saying it was Dudley Moore? No, you so said uh, Dustin Hoffman. That's Dustin fine. Hoffman. That's Dumb. Fine. Dumb. But that yes. movie was just very funny, well done. And if it was any other actor besides Dudley Moore, and if it was a little different take, it could have been a sad, twisted picture of this alcoholic. I mean, he was an alcoholic. Right. But it wasn't. It was generally funny. It couldn't be made today. I think they tried to make a remake recently with that uh, idiot from England, the, the tall guy. He, looks like a, he tries to look like a rock star. I forgot his name. And it bombed, naturally. He was very good, though. He was excellent. He was very good. Anyway, we've got a few more stories. Generally, Russell Brand. Thanks, Holly. If you if you guys want to talk about any of the stories we've talked about today and a few that we have yet to speak about, call 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And we're going to do another bumper. See you on the other side. Okay, you're listening to Amy Peacock. This is the final segment for the Friday, June 20th. Don't let it go unheard. I've got still cartoonist Bosch Boston here with us, at least for another few minutes or so. 
So are, are you surprised, Bosch, that the Iran nuclear talks are full of hot air? And no. That, but, no. Anyway, go, go read that article for yourself. Uh, I've linked to this Wall Street Journal article at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. If you read it, basically what they're saying is, we're, we're making progress, really we are, and, and we're actually drafting text, but we're not drafting text about any of the important well, the provisions. Well, whole, the whole thing is to not accept I, Iran, who they are, and what they've been. That's the whole thing. You know, they're the greatest state sponsor of terrorism on Earth. The last 30 plus years, they want to nuke us. They they want nuclear. They want to use nuclear blackmail. I mean, they'll they'll nuke us. That's what that's what they'll do. They're true believers, and here we are just hoping they don't do that. Hoping. Uh, Nielsen is asking for Pigman news. Just basically still still working on the script while I'm doing some side work and things got in the way this week in particular. But uh, I. I'm determined to finish it as fast as as I can. Of course, make it as good as I can. Because right now I got all the scenes, all the all the ideas locked in. Just a few dialogue things I have to really work out. But besides that, after that, you know, the drawing gets each process gets easier. Writing, penciling, inking, lettering, and so on. It just it gets easier and easier. So uh, I will definitely uh, update next week about that. Let's go ahead. Thanks and, for asking. Let's go ahead and talk about what is arguably a story of the week, or should be the story of the week. And it's the IRS covering up its illegal targeting of American citizens based on their beliefs and the organizations that they choose to support, that targeting, and the cover-up of it. And the brazen, you know, they're, they said, uh, what they say, the hard drive is destroyed. And the guy, I think one of the heads of the IRS said, uh, we're not going to apologize for that. There's no apology for this. I mean, they think that's it now. Right. Oh, you know, you're not going to get us. No, no, no. We can still get them. Do the Republicans have the nerve? I don't think they do, but let's, let's see come fall. Let's see come the new Congress and the new Senate in January. Let's see what happens because this is unacceptable. The article that I did link to at my blog, DontLetItGo.com, is the Wall Street Journal piece. And the headline of that is GOP lawmakers grill IRS chief over lost emails. Says Republican art lawmakers sharply questioned the head of the IRS Friday over the loss of email records related to the agency's treatment of politically active conservative groups. They were particularly unhappy that IRS Commissioner John Koskinen, is that how you pronounce his weird scumbagin, name? Scumbagin. Okay, know. whatever. Yeah, scumbagin, we like it. Uh, you know my whole spiel on people who rise to the top at the no. IRS. It's no. basically they're rising to the bottom. Exactly. And, the, yeah. the scum of the earth. Um, no, these are scum, and uh, they got to be put in prison, those behind this. And this is, first of all, it's a lie. And if they try to do it, I mean, the fact is we can access this, and they're not allowing us to. Mm. And they have to give it to us. They told lawmaker, he told lawmakers in March that they would receive all emails from former IRS official Lois Lerner, who is at the center of the controversy. He didn't inform members of Congress until last Friday of her hard drive failure in 2011, how convenient, and the routine destruction of a backup tape. At the time, the agency refused to back, uh, excuse me, reuse backup tapes every six months, he said. How convenient. No, I mean, it's how a, convenient to get rid of your backup tapes every six months? I mean, that's ridiculous. They can't get away with this. They can't. He decided to complete an effort to reconstruct the emails uh, by searching other employees' computers before making the details of the problem known. He wanted to avoid having the matter being played out in the press. 
Uh, Paul Ryan had a heated exchange with him for whatever that's worth. Paul he says, Ryan. He says, you learned about this months ago. You just told us this is not being forthcoming. This is being misleading again. He says, I don't believe you. And that's what they need to do. They need to be calling these guys on their lies. And they need to do it again and again. The liarists. And, uh, you know, I just, I cannot understand if it's really true. And, you know, again, I'm sympathetic to that comment that I believe was from Brian Yoder, where he says that, is there going to be a special prosecutor to actually take up some of these scandals that should be plaguing the White House a lot more than they are? And maybe it's not going to happen until really vocal Democrats Go, come out against Obama. No, but they, say, Look, no, but they were behind this. They were behind this. Well, but this Democrats. Is, this is, I mean, any old-style liberal should be very there, concerned. There, I mean, how that many the of them are left? Can be used to how many of them are left Americans? in the Democrat I Party? Know. I don't they're know. a small, small minority, and they're quiet. In today's context, this is an issue of free speech. Right, well, I do got to go now. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Bosch. So I, I think they really do need to uh, convince these Democrats that they have something to lose. Maybe the Democrats think they're going to be in power forever and that they don't have anything to fear from the IRS, but they certainly should fear. Everybody in the whole country needs to fear an IRS that is going to target Americans based on the political organizations that they are involved with. I like Ted Cruz's idea best of all, abolish the IRS, but until we're there, we need to definitely prosecute, prosecute, prosecute. And um, Bosch sent me a couple stories earlier today, but it was just before the show was going to start, and so I don't have them in my notes over here. Let me go ahead and, okay, I've got that turned down fine. So let me find a couple of these stories. One of them is that the IRS head will not apologize for the lost uh, learner emails, and that's from USA Today. And the other is audience gasped as IRS commissioner admits missing lowest learner hard drive was trashed, that it was actually trashed. You know, there's companies, and you can take your crashed hard drive to these companies, and they can recover the data on it. Um, Let me go ahead and see if I can get this audio clip up here for you guys. One second. Just get it to work. Mm. Wow. And earlier today, people were gasping in that room when Koskinen once and for all explained the fate of that critical computer hard drive. Your letter describes the lowest learner emails as being unrecoverable. Correct. But fails to mention where the damaged hard drive is today. Do you know where the actual hard drive is that crashed in 2011? I'm advised the actual hard drive, after it was determined that it was dysfunctional and that with experts no emails could be retrieved, was recycled and destroyed in the normal process. This was So was it physically destroyed? Uh, that's my understanding. So was it melted down? Do you know? I have no idea what the recycler does with it. This was three years ago. How convenient. Gone. Evidence of this is gone. And I think that they should gasp. I think this is horrible. I think that, yes, they should get a subpoena and go to the NSA and get all the backup copies and everything else. And the question remains... Will anyone there have the you-know-whats to do anything about it? And I, I, I just don't know. This is inexcusable, unconceivable to me. And in a way, I think this is worse than some of the things that were done before, although I don't know. I wasn't living at the time of, of Nixon. But right now, all the different things that our government is doing in terms of the pervasive mass surveillance versus 
selected wiretapping, pervasive mass surveillance, the band-aids being put on it by some of our legislators in Congress, the grilling the IRS chief over this stuff and then not getting the special prosecutor with the warrant and everything else. This is ridiculous. And I hope somebody from the Democrat Party has enough integrity to say enough is enough. There is some sort of a cover-up going on, that the activity that the IRS was doing in this case was illegal, immoral, and inexcusable, and a violation in the context of our right to free speech. Robert NYC in the chat room says, also, the Washington Redskins story is really, really, really bad. You know, Robert, if you want to talk about that story, feel free to call up. I haven't heard from you in a while, 760-888-5817. It would be cool to hear if you've got the time and the ability Nielsen in the chat room suggests that we arrest Lois Lerner for obstruction. I think that would be excellent. Nielsen says, odd, I have to keep my tax records for seven years, but they get rid of their info in six months. That's another good point. That's the sort of point that I've seen Ted Cruz make really well this week, which is that, well, you know, I think next time I'm just not going to file a tax return. I'm going to say, look, my hard drive crashed. Robert NYC is going to call in, and while we're waiting for him to call in, I'm going to actually go to a little piece of good news and it's Ted Cruz fighting for our right to free speech against the Senate Democrats and he is talking about the new bill that is going to give the Senate control over the actual regulation of corporate spending on political speech and he's talking about the sort of things that it would give Congress the power to do things that are in contradiction with the First Amendment of our Constitution. So let's hear a little bit from Ted Cruz. This is a Fahrenheit 451 proposal. And by the way, that's not hypothetical. The Obama administration in the Citizens United case was asked by the Supreme Court. Number one, in Citizens United, they were trying to fine a movie maker for publishing a movie critical about Hillary Clinton. So if you think this will never be applied to movies, they've tried to apply it to movies. But the Obama Justice Department was asked by the Supreme Court, under your view, could the federal government ban books? And the Obama Justice Department said yes. If you don't believe me, go read the oral argument. Look at the Obama lawyer telling the Supreme Court, yes, we can ban books. I'll tell you, I'd be embarrassed to stand in front of citizens and say I'm here banning books. Ray Bradbury must be turning over in his grave. But likewise, I list the groups of corporations. I gave some examples. The ACLU, the NAACP, the Human Rights Campaign, the Sierra Club, Planned Parenthood, the National Education Association, La Raza, Greenpeace, MoveOn.org, the Brady Center, the Anti-Defamation League. And a second simple question, which one of those groups would you ban from engaging in political speech? Because Chairman Dermott very kindly read his amendment. His amendment is explicit, that the authority is there to prohibit every one of those groups from engaging in political speech. So if any of you are members of those groups, if any of you are sympathetic to their interests, I would encourage my Democratic members to answer the question, which one of those corporations should be banned from engaging in political speech? I'll answer that question myself. None of them. Every single one has a constitutional right to engage in speech. So bravo to Ted Cruz. And then he goes on in this clip, and you can watch the whole clip over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. 
Um, but he goes on to have an exchange with Al Franken and basically saying, look, the sort of stuff that you did on NBC on Saturday Night Live that did have an effect on political discourse, that stuff could be banned by this legislative proposal that they're talking about. But what I want to do is I want to forward a bit in this clip where he is asking different legislators, senators here, point blank, whether he thinks they should be able to ban movies, which is what was at stake in Citizen United in the sense that they were going to fine a movie maker for uh, publishing a movie that was engaging in political speech. So let me get to approximately the place where he starts that dialogue. Here we go. Uh, the question I want to ask is whether the senator from Minnesota believes that Congress should be able to ban movies. And, and if the answer is no, Citizens United was about... Congress fining a movie maker for, for publishing a movie critical of Hillary Clinton. So if you think Citizens United is wrong, I think it is very difficult to reconcile that position with the position that Congress cannot ban movies. I think the court decided a different, thing than it, a different question than it was asked in Citizens United. I also believe that punch, punch, Congress punch. did have the rights to put limits on corporate spending before Citizen United in certain ways. I, I would ask the same question that I asked the Senator from Minnesota that he declined to answer, which is number one, under the text of this amendment, could Congress ban political movies? Could Congress ban books? And would it be constitutionally permissible for Congress to prohibit the NAACP from speaking about politics? I would say to the Senator what I've said earlier, what we are talking about is reasonable, content-neutral regulation. What the senator has suggested in his parade of horribles. Reasonable, content-neutral regulation with those words being applied and defined according to the whims of whatever politicians are in power at the time. Kudos to Ted Cruz for pointing out. I'm going to continue with the clip. Going back to your logic course, reduction ad absurdum is uh, not going to carry the day in this debate, nor with the American people. And I Are you willing to answer any of those questions yet I've, or no? I've just answered those questions you, you, by saying that if just, you... I'll if answer gonna, them all no. Do you, if you're going yes to no? reduce this to the absurd, we'll be I'm not reducing, for another hour Should we be able to ban movies? Yes or no? What's no. absurd about no, asking that question? No, and there is question? nothing about banning movies in the subcommittee. Subcommittee stands adjourned. <laughs> and that's what you do. You just use your authority and you say, subcommittee is adjourned and hit a gavel and end the discussion because you don't like the direction in which the discussion is going, which is revealing the truth. So kudos to Ted Cruz. Cruz is trying to speak to whatever remnant of rights-respecting fiber Democrats have left in their being, and I don't know if he's getting through to any of them at all. I mean, it's, it's insane. Steve in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says he can't believe our government is so overtly criminal, and he means mafia criminal. Good for Cruz there, says Holly, and I agree. Obama's running for Big Brother next. He is Big Brother, as far as I'm concerned. Obama has expanded the NSA, and that's another point that Greenwald made last night very loudly. Very anti-Obama, anti a lot of the left-wing media, anti-Feinstein, generated a whole bunch of boos from the, the crowd about Feinstein, so I thought that was interesting, too. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and pick up here with Robert NYC, and we'll talk a little bit about the Redskins story from here. Hi, hi, Robert. How are you? Hi, Amy. Nice to talk with you, and thank you for playing that Ted Cruz 
bit because it gives me a little bit of hope. This was a really bad week. This was a it's, really bad I mean, it's, week it's for, been for terrible, and I think I'm just, I mean, today I've just had kind of a funky day logistically anyway, but in terms of the week and how depressing the news was and stuff, it was, it's really a hard, hard week. And this idea that the IRS, it, you know, the fact that it destroyed all of these emails of Lois Lerner and that might go unpunished and that might, you know, get get them out of this investigation, that is just unconscionable. I, it's totally, totally unbelievable. Actually, I think I'm actually not digesting it because I think if I digested it too much, I wouldn't be able to do the show. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in the same boat. And where's the Carl Bernsteins and Bob Woodward, you know, investigative uh, journalists on, on all this? I mean, it's, it, it's just really, I said in the, in the chat room earlier, it's becoming more and more brazen what they think they can get away with and what they are uh, getting away with by, by very weak opposition. And, yeah, moving on to the, to the sports story with, with the, the Redskins, just another example where everybody's pitching in with, with something that's a completely private, um, uh, private issue. Uh, National Football League, and and again, <laughs> you know, because a few people are offended and they have political clout. It's it's interesting because Native Americans, Indians, have no problem. The, the actual name of the team is a badge of honor for, for them, and they're often on the sidelines um, at football games. And um, I think between this and the uh, the uh, Serling case, the the LA Clippers. Uh, owner just shows right. that you know government is jumping into sports you know and again with not very much resistance no you know nobody well, here, here's here's my question though with respect to the sterling case was it an issue mm-hmm. of government jumping in or just was it an issue of the nba organization maybe doing some things that you didn't actually agree with you actually you're right you're right that that was the nba uh uh acting uh, but you know Obama had something he said something about it which is you know <laughs> a way to get you know um the whatever organization is once he jumps into uh, make a statement about any current event issue that he should not be uh that he shouldn't that's that is the um the domino effect goes. Now the media is locked, step and barrel, and then whatever organizations, whether the NBA or the NFL, in this case, they they just follow that. And that's right, but where here I, in the in the Redskins case, the government has gotten involved. And exactly what did it do, Robert? Well, it's taking away the 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 patent uh, trademark of the of the uh, team. The Redskins that's now. Redskins. That's right, of the Washington Redskins. So now they'll you know stand to lose a lot of money. And now it just sets a precedent for picking and choosing whatever, you know, whatever politically correct issue uh, you're you're working on. If you know the government can, and it happened right on the heels of Obama saying something. You know, I mean, there was a direct cause and effect uh, relationship there. So, um, so yeah, they they stand to lose, you know, countless money and freedom of speech is being threatened, you know, right to, right to make, right. make money. Uh, and it's just, it's just really, really scary. And now, of course, all other sports teams with that, you know, with those uh, um, uh, names uh, will now stand under scrutiny. So it's, I just see an incredible domino effect 
uh, starting with this. If they don't, you know, they are fighting it. And uh, um, now, now what what Obama what Obama and then the U.S. Patent Office has done with this is horrible. What have you seen in terms of the reaction from the public? Is there any good news to be found in the reaction that you've seen? Uh, well, the public is is in favor in general, but uh, in in favor of what? In favor in favor of rescinding keep them the keeping their trademark name. of them yeah, keeping their name. Right, okay, so the public in favor the, of the. Okay. Right, keeping the name and not being punished in any way. You know, they they just they like it. It's historical and and uh, and they have the right to it. So the public is right on this. But as in many cases, you know, these things are long term battles that the public doesn't tend tend to have the the stamina uh, like like Iraq wars. You know, the public wants them in the very beginning, but they don't have the stamina to last a uh, you know a twelve round. Uh, uh, heavyweight fight, and so, uh, so I, I, I'm fearful. I'm definitely you know what? Fearful you know what I'm seeing. I'm, you know what I'm seeing out of this week, and and I should have come up with a title for the show that kind of reflects this sentiment. This week, I am seeing a lot of evidence of the American sense of life out there fighting all this parade of horribles, to use the phrase of the disgusting legislator in there, right? The mm-hmm. parade of horribles that is coming from our government. So what we have seen this week is we have seen an American public that is refusing a state of servitude with respect, you know, anybody mm-hmm. who's going, anyone who's going to Glenn Greenwald's talk, reading his book, still concerned about the NSA, perhaps purchasing encryption is doing that. People who are arguing against the police state are refusing to be subservient. People who are dropping the common core are saying, no, we will not give in to centralized authority and education at least, right? They're not necessarily mm-hmm. on favor, in favor of getting government out entirely. The people who are objecting to the Internet tax proposal, the state legislatures that are refusing to pass it, you know, we've got people grilling the IRS and gasping in disbelief that they're going to try to get away with this immense cover-up on the idea that, oh, the hard drive crashed and we destroyed it as a routine matter. Mm-hmm. People, mm-hmm. people are standing up and objecting. And the question is, is that American sense of life going to be able to carry the day against a government that is getting more and more dangerous to our rights? And this week, I think, you know, you're kind of sharing the sentiment that I have, which is that it's it's not looking awesome right now. I'm, I am mm-hmm. very encouraged, though, to see... Ted Cruz out there fighting the way he is, you know, to the extent yeah. he is on on some of these issues, he's he's an exception out there. But can, can I say one one thing? I know, yeah, I know you have to, you have to uh, end the show soon. I went on Monday to this meeting uh, once a month. There's a this guy named Mallory who's on Fox uh, News holds a meeting with all these big wig uh, Republicans. Rick Perry was there, and um, uh, Dan, Dan Issa was there, who's supposed, you know, always claims he's taking on Obama with all these scandals. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned up in, you know, possible how strong the the uh, the bench is for Republicans. And you know, they asked Rick Perry if he's going to run again. Yes. And of the, all the names they listed, Marco Rubio and and Chris Christie, Ted Cruz was not even mentioned. Okay. And in fact, they were they were dissatisfied. They were sad that Eric Cantor lost. So this is mainstream Republicans uh, who are just against, you know, whatever hope that, that we have in the Tea Party and then the Ted Cruz uh, 
uh, types. So even that is disheartening uh, to me. I just wanted to add that uh, <laughs> less, less bit of bad news. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it really is when you think one of the better gatherings is not even acknowledging the contribution of Ted Cruz and trying to yep. distance themselves from him yep. when he's mm-hmm. the one more than anyone. So I would say, you know, what can you do out there, people? If you agree with me that Ted Cruz is the best politician that we have in Washington out there, continue to click like and comment on his posts on Facebook. Uh, continue mm-hmm. to retweet, share you know, his posts on Facebook, Twitter, wherever else you see them, and continue to talk him up with your Republican people. We, do, we cannot let these establishment Republicans just pretend that he doesn't exist because he's mm-hmm. the one who's, I think, doing the, be- the best work out there. Thank you, Robert, yeah. for calling in Thank you, and, uh, and helping me out in the absence of Bosch Faustin. Everybody, sure. I have got to uh, – thank you very much. I've got to end the show here. If you want to continue the discussion, go over to my blog at DontLetItGo.com. You can leave comments there on today's show. You can also, if you want to subscribe, click follow here on Blog Talk Radio if you like that method of getting emails whenever there are shows. Or you can subscribe on iTunes. There's a link to do that over at my blog as well. Subscribe to the blog. And if you would like to support the show financially, we always welcome contributions. You can find out how to do that at my blog as well. Just look at the post for today's show it will give you the details. So thank you, everyone. You who are here on Blog Talk Radio, hang in there, and we'll be talking at the after show party in a few. Okay, everyone, we are here, but I cannot hang out too long today. As I said, uh, logistically, I've got kind of limited time to do this. Holly in the chat room is saying, what after party? I haven't listened in quite a few months. What I started doing, Holly, is because Blog Talk Radio has this weird glitch right now that as soon as I click end episode, it kicks everybody out of the chat room immediately. So having any kind of a chat discussion, even in the chat room, after the time of the show is impossible. State Defiance says he's leaving. Have a great weekend to you too, State Defiance. Sorry, I didn't. there was a comment you made earlier and I meant to mention it, but I didn't. Sorry about that, but thank you. And uh, what else do we have here? Let's see, Trevor, Nielsen Trevor is, is saying something, but I've, I've missed the discussion. Anyway, my point is we hang out that we avoid blog talk kicking you out. The one thing that I think happens is that when it kicks you out, it shovels, shoves you over to another show of mine, which it gets you listening to more of my shows. So shouldn't I like that? But I don't like being deceptive. So whatever the thing is that's kicking you out and shoving you to another show, I want to avoid. And so I don't want to just abruptly end and not give you a chance to put the uh, comments here in the chat room and the goodbyes and all the stuff that everybody wants to do. They want to finish up their conversation. Uh, Nielsen says, damn it, I have to go to the doctor. No, no party for me. I've got to go soon to people. So I'm sorry about that. I do have to leave pretty quick here, but I just didn't want to abruptly kick you out. I hate doing that. I really do. Uh, Robert NYC says, is there a show next Friday or Ocon? There is a show next Friday, but the Friday after that, which is July 3rd or 4th, I can't remember if if the 4th of July is actually on Friday. I am considering not 
doing the show and actually taking a week off at that point. So um, actually, I don't know if there's going to be a show from Ocon because on Friday, I won't actually be there at that point. So I will do a show from here next Friday. Then I'll be going to Ocon, and I hope you guys will come and see my talk on Saturday. And those of you who are show contributors, I've already written you guys about doing some sort of a meetup at Ocon. So I hope to see you as part of that. So that would be great. Uh, the fourth is the Friday, says selfishness in the chat room. Yeah, I think I am actually going to take a day off that week. So I'm sorry about that. But um, there's a whole lot of logistics in my life surrounding from coming back from Ocon and everything that make it really tough to make the show. So anyway, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And do come over to the blog at don'tletitgo.com if we want to continue the discussion. And thank you for listening here at Blog Talk Radio Live. I always appreciate you guys and uh, calling in, contributing in the chat room. Robert and Ed, thanks very much. And I'll see you guys next week, okay? So take care. <laughs>